In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. What? Oh, oh, Carla. Carla. Oh, I just woke up. I had the, had the weirdest dream. I had a dream that we had a, a, a podcast where we, we reviewed my 100 favorite movies and, and you didn't like any of them. And we, it started with La Dolce Vita. Like, I don't even like that movie. Like, that's, it's so weird, but it, it felt like I was there for days and days, like years even. And you were there and you were there and you were, I'm pointing at Carla every time you were, and Benny, you were there and Frankie, you were there. You played yourselves, but you could talk. Oh, Carla, what's going on? I have no idea. What is this reality <laughs> that I've just woken up into? Are they still going to take our dogs away? I hope not. Or is that just a plot point that's going to be swept under the rug? <laughs> <laughs> Never revisited. <laughs> because, because I had a dream for that seemed to last days. I wake up right after a twister and then the lady who wanted to take my dog for some reason no longer wants it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Maybe she died in the tornado. We, we can only hope. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the implication that Miss Gulch died a horrible death. In she the was twister. riding her bike, so that's right. Yeah, they say don't ride a bike during a twister. <laughs> uh, or uh, Bill uh, Paxton says that right in Twister. Right. Don't ride a bike during a twister. <laughs> wow. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Uh, hi, Craig's listeners. This is episode 78 of Craig's List. We're up to number 23 on my list. And today we're going to cover a beloved family classic, <laughs> uh, which came out in 1939, uh, directed in part by Victor Fleming, one of the credited, the only credited director, but one of several directors on it. Uh, it won Oscars for best song and best score. Uh, the song, in fact, was named by the American Film Institute the number one movie song of all time. That makes sense. Do you know which song it is? Follow the Albert Road. <laughs> <laughs> it's Optimistic Voices. No, it is – the song is Over the Rainbow. So it's not called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's called Over the Rainbow. I believe the song is called Over the Rainbow. I believe you. Yeah. And uh, this movie is based on the uh, the Oz books by L. Frank Baum. This is a real deep cut, guys. Uh, this is an artsy movie that maybe you have not seen, <laughs> but it stars Burt Lahr, Ray Bolger, Jack Haley, Frank Morgan, and Judy Garland as Dorothy Gale. The movie is The Wizard of Oz. What the fuck are we going to say about The Wizard of Oz? I don't know. It's on your list. <laughs> Uh, but to help us do this, we have a guest today. She is a television writer. You may know her work on such shows as The Middle. Oh, sure. Gallivant. Oh, my God. You went deep, Greg. Gallivant. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Uh, the Carmichael Show. Oh, sure. Sure. You also may know her as uh, the co-host of Los Feliz, the podcast. Is that still a, a going concern? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, the podcast may be revamped in different form and, okay. and I'll be involved tertiarily. <laughs> Can okay. I say tertiarily? Sure. Sure. But it's so, I'm so happy to be here, you guys. <laughs> I really am. Let me say your name. It's Robin Shore. Oh, sorry. Robin Shore <laughs> is my name. Hi. <laughs> oh, uh, amazing. We, we wanted to have you as a guest for a while, uh, but why is Wizard of Oz the perfect movie? For you to be the guest. For. Well, Craig, I believe you and I, a couple of months ago, 
We're having some parking. We almost bought parking lot gelato after a Lonely Island <laughs> show in Pasadena. Craig was nice enough to drive me home. Aww. And um, Craig was very entranced by uh, like almost like a claw-like video game in the parking lot of where we parked. Mm-hmm. You were ready to put in your change to get some parking lot gelato. Parking lot gelato. <laughs> and How can you say no to that? We, we did. I we resisted. Like, Please don't. It got weird. <laughs> like, not, it got like, to the point where you were almost about to spend money. Anyway, long story short, we're driving home. And I had just watched The Wizard of Oz for a a movie pitch I was working on to show you how prescient it still is Mm -hmm. that the producers were like, go go watch The Wizard of Oz. We want something like that. (laughs) Something like that. Just do that. And and I read all the trivia on IMDb about it. It's the the most saturated did you know page of all time. There's more trivia for this movie than any other. Than any other. And I had told you that they had found the, the jacket that Mr. Marvel wore they found in they opened it up and they found inside a label that said L. Frank Baum and the wardrobe designer had gone to a bunch of different um, secondhand stores in the Culver City area and and so the so it's weird coincidences like that that sort of make it my favorite movie it's almost the history behind the movie and what was going on behind the scenes that's more entrancing to me than the actual movie if that makes any sense yeah so that's why I'm I'm real jazzed. So so you were saying then that the costume designer picked up this suit jacket Randomly. for Randomly. Frank Morgan to wear as Professor Marvel, as right? Professor and it Marvel, was the author of the books. Yes, Al Frank Baum wrote The Wizard of Oz and and was like a failed actor, failed insurance salesman, and must have sold his jacket to a secondhand store to make a buck or two, and it wound up on the shoulders Weird. of the Wizard himself. What? Which I, it's stuff like that that I find so crazy. And they, they there were originally no, uh, red shoes. There were no red <laughs> slippers, ruby slippers. There were, they were white slippers. And, and Craig, your sister Liz said, I would love to meet the guy who was like, I got a pitch. Make them red. <laughs> it was because of the Technicolor thing, right? That they changed them? Probably. They wanted to be as colorful yeah, as possible. Spoilers ahead. This movie goes from black and white to color. <laughs> and that's it's, a crazy spoiler. It's pretty cool. If you haven't seen it, stop now. Or actually, stop before I said that thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. Now you know the movie goes from black and white to color and then back to black and white again. Spoilers again. Yeah. Uh, and it's still, like, after all these years, pretty damn cool. Well, it, <laughs> when it goes into Technicolor. It's like Star Wars in a way. I know Star mm-hmm. Wars, to me, it's really reminiscent of, of Willy Wonka. It almost feels like Willy yeah. Wonka is the sequel to this movie in a weird way. Yeah. Just aesthetically. But it looks so cool. Imagine it's 1939 and you're in the movie theater and you're like, what? Because <laughs> yeah. it still looks cool. It, it does. really does. The effects are really great. The makeup and costumes yeah. are amazing. Yes. The makeup, by the way, tell me if you already know this and tell me if I'm giving you too much trivia because I <laughs> love this. <stuff. laughs> but, but Buddy Epson was the original Tin Man. Buddy Epson, later famous as Jed Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes. And Buddy Epson, they painted his entire body very proudly with pure aluminum. You oh know, like God. nowadays you can't even wear aluminum and diapers print it'll whatever. You can, but whatever. And uh, <laughs> But you'll immediately get cancer. Yeah. And he just kind of he had a crazy allergic reaction, was in the hospital for like two months, got oh. fired. Because he was getting specks of aluminum in his lungs. In his lungs. Yeah. Oh. And then they hired Jack Haley who kind of put up with it till the end when he got a crazy eye infection and almost went blind because some of the aluminum got in his eye. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm scaring Carla. <laughs> There's awful. other things like Margaret Hamilton's witch makeup caught on fire during yes, the she stunt. Was severely burned. <laughs> so oh my God. Clearly, there were no safety precautions. And uh, her stunt double was in the hospital for two weeks because Margaret Hamilton had already been burned on her hand, and she was like, "I'm not doing the." It's when the she rides out on the on the broomstick out of the witch's castle to Emerald City. Uh, she's like, she went to the stunt, she went to the shoot and she's like, I'm not doing that. And they were like, fine, we'll get your stunt double to do it. And she was in the hospital for two weeks. Oh my God. (laughs) And you know, another actor who had to be replaced by a double at one point was Terry. Oh yes. Cause he (laughs) sprained his ankle or something. Well, Terry, Toto. Terry played Toto in the movie. Uh, and at one point, uh, Terry, who, who, by the way, is a girl. Oh, it's a girl playing Toto. Just in the same way that a boy played Lassie, a girl played Toto. Uh, Toto was stepped on by one of the, uh, one of the Winkies. 
Oh, one yeah. of the witch's guards yeah. uh, accidentally stepped on Toto and Toto was out for two weeks. They yeah. brought in other terriers uh, who weren't as good. Not a safe set. Yeah. But not a safe set. And Judy Garland wanted to adopt Terry because they got along so well in making up. But the, uh, I guess the trainer would not let Terry go. And she continued to work in films uh, for the next six years until her, until her death. <laughs> oh, Terry. <laughs> I wish you could have seen how serious Craig's face got when he said until her death. <laughs> Very I hope serious. Terry got all the treats. R.I.P. Terry. <laughs> It is a recurring theme on this podcast that whenever any animal appears, uh, no matter how old the movie, Carla will say, do you think they're still alive? <laughs> I wonder the same thing. This is my first time watching The Wizard of Oz as a dog owner because oh, I never had idea. dogs growing up. I uh, didn't have dogs until uh, well into my 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found myself really focusing on Toto all throughout this movie. <laughs> you were on Toto. Toto has... I will say this. Toto has the most agency in this movie, I think. Yeah. Like, Toto pulls back the curtain. Toto is the reason she leaves. Like, Toto's kind of the story engine. Yeah. You're looking at it from a nuts and bolts perspective. I it's agree. kind of Toto has more to do than Dorothy. I hate to say it. Yeah. But it's kind of the truth. It is. He also escapes the basket mm-hmm. of what's her face? Gulch. 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 This is Gulch. Edna Gulch. Mm-hmm. Probably Edna. <laughs> Or Elvira? What is her name? It's something terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Esther? Did you know, by it's gotta the way... It's got to be an E name. What? It's, it's got to be an E name. Esther, Elvira, Edna. Now, did you know that... <laughs> did you know? <laughs> there's a, I showed this to your sister last night, Craig. Um, we should say, Craig's sister is my best friend. <laughs> so <laughs> She is my sister, too. We share a sister. Um, but, but, but the Scarecrow, at one point, right before they're taken away by the winged monkeys, the Scarecrow has a gun. Are we aware of that? I noticed I, that today. Yeah, okay. I forgot about that, and that's it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah. And Liz circled in and wrote WTF, and she was not happy. Yeah. That really upset her. <laughs> this is a movie that, I, I don't know, I've seen it between 30 and 40 times, I really? would guess. Wow. But you still notice new things all the time because you know it so well that then your eye starts wondering to other things, you yes. know, and you're kind of like looking deeper within the frame for what else can I look at? Because I know this movie like the back of my hand. I are, are you guys are, are old enough to remember it being on TV every year. Sure. Right? I remember it was on every Memorial Day. Do you have that memory? It was like, Memorial I was thinking that it was Easter. I was thinking Easter. Thanksgiving oh, for okay. some reason. Here's the thing. They could have done it all three holidays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and really just jammed it home. I think we're probably all right at various times in history. Yes. Uh, I, I, I being the oldest, probably, uh, it probably was Thanksgiving at the time, but that makes sense. Uh, but I definitely remember seeing this when I was like five or six on yeah. TV. And during the, the twister sequence, I just remember being terrified by that mm-hmm. whole sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, other than the, the witch's transformation, it's mostly played for comedy of just like, Oh, here's two guys on a boat flying by, you know, <laughs> uh, here's a cow. Uh, but the Mrs. Gulch's Ms. Gulch, uh, sorry, <laughs> she is a spinster. Unmarried Mrs. Gulch. <laughs> uh, her transformation into the Wicked Witch was one of the scariest yes. things. And I, I remember just being a kid and having to look away. And that seems to be a recurring, uh, theme among the, the children's movies on my list because I also remember, the witch's transformation or the queen's transformation into the hag in Snow White, mm-hmm. uh, Lampwick's transformation into a donkey in Pinocchio, mm-hmm. and Willy Wonka's kind of transformation when they go through the tunnel when he gets really scary. Sure, yeah. that sucked. So <laughs> all of those were movies that I probably saw around the same time as a little kid, and they all just imprinted on mm-hmm. me in a primal way. You and know. they wanted to, I guess, they, they, the testing came back, and the whiz, the which scared too many kids. She was like legitimate. So whatever scared you was cut down was already the cut down version. And it's still frightening. It scared her (laughs) kid too. And this book, there's this book I'm obsessed with. It's called the making of the wizard of Oz. And Margaret Hamilton wrote the foreword. And she said that her son watched it at like a slumber party and lost his mind. (laughs) He was so upset. I mean, to find out that that scary lady is, is really scary. And that she's also your mom. mom. Yeah. (laughs) It's something about her voice. I think that's, like resonates still as scary to me. 
like just that high pitched cackle is really terrifying because she doesn't really look that scary, I don't think. But mm-hmm. when she starts to speak or laugh, it's like, Ugh. <laughs> and they put her in a tent for instead of giving her a dressing room, they gave her a tent <laughs> on the Sony, what is now the Sony lot. Right. Everybody else got dressing rooms and she got a tent. Why? I don't know. But like the good Glinda the Good Wedge had like three dressing rooms and the Tin Man and the Lion and the Scarecrow couldn't eat at the commissary because they scared everyone. So they, the studio paid for their lunch if they ate in their dressing rooms. It oh was a, God. it sounds like it was a six month long nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the happenstance of old Hollywood, which is, you know, you, you make this movie and I mean, clearly this, this must have had a very high budget for the time because mm-hmm. I, I still think the the sets and costumes and, and makeup are and then the effects are still very impressive I think by any standard, mm-hmm. uh, but clearly they put a lot of money into this. But again, for most of the people on this movie, it was just another job, and it sounds like it was a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, uh, I had always heard that it was kind of a box office flop, which I guess is yeah. not really true. I think it made back its money in America, oh. but immediately was a big hit around the world. Um, but it wasn't. It, it, this came out the same year as Gone with the Wind, also mm-hmm. directed by Victor Fleming, uh, the same year. Big busy, year. Busy guy. Big year for Vic. <laughs> uh, but I, I think he, uh, he didn't, he divided his work with other directors on both movies. So it's weird that he ended up with the credit, uh, for both of them. And he was close by because MGM, where they shot, do you, do you know, like MGM and Sony, what, what is now Sony was right is in right Culver City Culver Studios. And you can see at least you, before they, I don't know if they tore down the plantation house used to be there, the Gone with the Wind plantation house mm. and it's uh, turned into offices, but. I, I just like that he didn't have far to go. Yeah. I'm happy for Victor. I'm happy for <laughs> 1930s Victor Fleming that he could just walk from gig to gig. Yeah. That's important to me. <laughs> but it's the the pure weirdness of this movie out of any others is a, a timeless classic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's just a series of accidents really that that make it so. Yeah. I think I've seen this movie Maybe more than any other movie. Oh. Except for maybe Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, and watching it today, I remembered being a kid and understand, cause when I saw this, obviously Judy Garland had already died and being confused, like seeing video of her older mm. and then knowing that she had died. Like I remember this as being one of the first movies where I, kind of as a kid realized that it wasn't real life <laughs> where he became conscious of mortality. Yeah, totally. And then watching return to Oz, uh-huh. which is terrifying, which is way more terrifying than this. That, now that came it. out in 85. That's with Feruza Balk, yes. right? And that's directed by Walter Murch. The only movie that he ever directed, the famous editor and sound designer who we talked about, uh, for the conversation. Okay. And, uh, he did the re-editing on touch of evil. So he's come up a couple times on this podcast, as you remember well, Carla. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I saw return to Oz probably not shortly not too long after I saw this and being yeah. like, wait, is this, is this her daughter in this other movie? And like, just trying to figure out why it was so much scarier than this one, why it looked so different and, and not understanding, like it's just a sequel and it has really nothing to do. With right. <laughs> but that sort of movie. points to like what I'm so fast. It's like a, this American institution, right? The wizard of Oz, every kid knows about it. Every adult knows about it. There's nobody that doesn't know the wizard of Oz. And then you have like, The Wiz with Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. You have Wicked. You have like, you know, after Oz or the the thing that there's so many, there's so much that's come out of it. There's there's the phrase "pull back the curtain." I mean, so much came out of this movie. I guess the question is, why? Like, (laughs) why did it touch such a nerve? What is it about it? Mm -hmm. Don't answer. We we don't know. None of us. (laughs) Do you want to do you want an answer? No, I don't. I just think it's fascinating that there's so many things that we still refer to. Like we always say there's no place like, like it's so weird. It's such a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. I think because we get it early, Mm -hmm. you know, it starts with us as kids and it, it has resonance, I think. And the whole, it, I don't know if this invented it was all a dream, but it's definitely like the most iconic use of it was all a dream, which is, 
simultaneously a cop out and something that I I still kind of love. And you <laughs> use an improv scene. I use all an improv time. scene all the time. <laughs> it's the most giant cop out when anything gets weird of like, oh, 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 whoa, what's going on? Oh, that was a dream, you know. <laughs> but look, Amy Schumer and I feel pretty. She knocks she gets her she knocks her noggin in spin class. I mean, it's still used today. Say what you want about I yeah. feel pretty, but it's a convention that's been used time and time again. And what was the, there was kind of like a creepy drama on NBC a couple of years ago. That, Grim? No, it was, it was a straightforward new version of Oz. It was. It was? Right. Yeah. Was it called Emerald City? Oh, it was. Yeah. yeah. It did not last long. It didn't, but and I watched a few episodes it? of it. Ed Westwick, right? I oh, want to say it was an Ed Westwick star. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all that entails. Uh, <laughs> not to be confused with. The Wizard, the 1989 movie starring Fred Savage and Jenny Lewis. Which has nothing to do with The Wizard I, of Oz? No, but I just <laughs> never It's another that. spinoff of The Wizard of Oz. You wow. got to assume. Oh, you'd like it, Carla. I bet I would. How did I miss it? <laughs> oh, you'd like it. It's terrible. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. But basically the reason is that uh, L. Frank Baum is in the public domain. Really? Right? Yeah. Oh, there's no why. There's no rights or royalties. That, that makes have, sense. I don't believe. So I think that's why it's still being remade and revamped over and over. It doesn't cost anything. Now I, in this book, the making of the wizard of Oz, there's extensive, there's an extensive chapter on the munchkins. Unfortunately, the book was written in the fifties. So the munchkins are referred to as midgets. And Mm -hmm. and I wish in the 2013 edition that I just read, I wish they would have changed it, but they did it. But they had, we'll just call them munchkins. They had to get an assembly line of 30 different makeup chairs um, and just each makeup artist was in charge of like one piece of makeup and that, cause imagine having to do hair and makeup for all those people. Yeah. I mean, it was just this huge operation outside of the four main people. Was it, were there also children who were playing Munchkins? I think so. Cause, cause I, th- I thought I saw a couple kids standing next to people who were clearly older than them. <laughs> they said they're, yeah, I think they're definitely were kids. I like that the Munchkins, according to IMDb and this book, the Munchkins were largely Eastern European Jews who were brought over right before World War II. <laughs> wow. And, who were escaping. Yeah, anti-Semitism oh. in, uh, in Europe. And many of them did not speak English. Right. And the Munchkin voices are not, uh, <laughs> the voices of those people. They are just, they are singers, uh, who, whose voices are sped up. And then, you know, the, the Munchkins are lip syncing. Oh. And there was one hot Munchkin that they all loved, according to this book. There was one guy, I didn't write his name down, that everyone was in love with. And he was like the wheeler and the dealer. And they used to have crazy, apparently orgies at the Culver Hotel. In What? During the shooting of this movie. Yes. It's in the making of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, I'm actually, I'm pitching a project called One, one Hot Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's all about this guy. They all like love this one guy. Well, there is a movie, a fictionalized account of that called Under the Rainbow with Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher from 1981. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is that That's right up my alley. Why uh, do I know it, about it? I remember seeing bits and pieces of it on HBO in the 80s. I, I don't know if it's commonly available today. I remember it being terrible. It was about orgies? <laughs> it was about what the munchkins, the actors who played the munchkins were doing behind the scenes. That's a great idea. For it a is movie. a great idea. But I think it's fictionalized. And I think there's a murder mystery element to it too. And Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher in it. The detectives. Maybe. I, I don't know. So. I'm going to go back and watch it. And you know, your niece, both of your niece, June Schaffer pitched a great. <laughs> <laughs> She's already pitching. She's already pitching. Wow. <laughs> she asked her mother, your sister, um, she said, I know where the yellow brick road goes, but where does the red road go? Which is a oh, great question. Yeah. A great movie idea. And June's <laughs> going to have to write it now that we've said it on this podcast. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So wait, did you watch this movie with Liz and the girls? No. I mean, okay. they watch it like every day. Um, I watched it for this, for this writing assignment a couple of months ago. And then because I had just watched it really recently, I did something I've never done before, which is I went on YouTube. And two nights ago, I watched it. I watched Dark Side of the Rainbow, the Led Zeppelin. Pink, um, Pink Floyd. Oh my god! 
Same thing to me. They are the same thing. Sorry, they're not. All due respect. Sorry, Pink Floyd. Yeah, not to me. (laughs) Um, But I I watched it to see. I'd never seen it. I'd heard about it in college. That's when the rumors started was sometime in the mid-90s. And it does feel coincidence largely it's there's no way it could be real yes but it is amazing so if you sync the pink floyd album dark side of the moon (laughs) along with the wizard of oz by begin beginning with the third lion's roar you start playing it yeah yeah apparently it syncs up but this is just somebody getting high (laughs) and uh you could really do this with any album and any movie true and the brain automatically makes coincidences yeah it's definitely like your brain being like no way is the one on youtube like annotated like uh pointing out the parallels no it's uh it's called like optimum or something. It's like optimum somewhere over the rain, uh, uh, dark side of the rainbow. But no, it, it, you mean like pop up video? Doesn't yeah. It? No, I wish it did. What were some of the things you noticed though? Well, um, <laughs> uh, when Mrs. Gulch rides up and rings her rings her bike on the thing on her bike, rings the bell on her bike. That's when you hear a bunch of bell sounds in the Pink Floyd soundtrack. Yeah. When she gets, when Dorothy arrives in, in Oz, um, there is, that's when the song Money Starts. When she gets home at the end, you hear the song Home. And so it, wow. it does feel, in, it, it's a fun watch yeah. if you're ever looking for something to do. <laughs> Yeah, I think it inspired a craze of other people trying to sync up other movies to uh, to other albums at the time. I've never actually done it. It's worth watching like the first ten minutes to see what you think <laughs> to see if like you're on board. It there it, the because it plays through the album almost three times. So there's so by the time you get to the end, you're like I've had it with right. Dark Side of the Moon because <laughs> the album is only forty five minutes. Yeah, right. And so it plays a bunch and and but it does feel there are certain things that feel very coincidental. In a good way. That's really cool. I want to watch it. Now, in 2002, I was hired for Sing Along Wizard of Oz. Wow. I was living in Chicago at the time, and my friend TJ Shanoff and I were hired as writers to develop uh, a stage production of Sing Along Wizard of Oz where they – this was after Sing Along Sound of Music had started to tour the country and had become a big hit uh, and was was selling out huge – uh, old theaters like the Chicago Theater. Uh, and so we were hired by a group called Broadway in Chicago, which puts on, you know, big touring productions. And we were asked to write three things, basically. Uh, material for an MC who would be like the wizard who would introduce the show, uh, and would be, you know, the, deliver this comedic monologue and would also judge the audience in their, uh, costume contest. Oh, so people okay. were asked to, to bring in Wizard of Oz costumes and he would judge them. And then we were asked to write, come up with trivia that would pop up on the screen like pop-up video. <sighs> or an additional pitch was that there were screens off to the side uh-huh. that would do all of the, uh, the trivia. Uh, and we worked on this project for probably like three or four months and so I watched the movie like another dozen times wow. and read that making of book, oh. uh, at the time. So definitely at that time, I had all this fucking trivia <laughs> floating around in my head, some of which is, is gone now. And then, uh, so we were told to do all these things uh, by this company that hired us. And eventually we did a conference call with Warner Brothers who got oh. the rights from MGM years ago for Wizard of Oz. Smart. And, uh, and the guy just hated everything that we did. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I was like, no, we're, we're not doing pop-up, you know, oh, <laughs> factoids God. on the screen. You know, we're just not going to do that. Uh, and all these jokes are terrible, you know, cause we, oh, we were no. asked to like, to make it punchy to have like all these recurring jokes. You know, it was very much following like the pop-up video format. And then the folks that hired us like totally threw us under the bus on this <sighs> conference call. Of, like, well, Craig and TJ were thinking, <laughs> oh, no. but I will say at the time it was the most I had been paid for any gig in the entertainment industry. <laughs> worth it then. It was, was it worth it? I don't know. Uh, but then uh, I did eventually go see the production of Sing Along Wizard of Oz, which used none of the material that we, oh, we wrote well, for Well, that's good, though, right? Because yeah. then you would have been mad. Yes. 
stolen. <laughs> we don't like stolen things. So did they fire you after that conference call? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, our work our work was pretty much done <laughs> at that point. They, did they use terms like "let's circle back" uh, <laughs> and discuss? And then you were like, "Oh, circle back's the kiss of death." <laughs> when they say "circle back," circle back is code for what? It could be code for so many things, but circle back is I never. <laughs> to before you had this job, yeah, basically. <laughs> I just when I hear the phrase "circle back," I get so tense. I think it's just a corporate way of being like, "Let's all check in with each other and talk about how much we hated what you pitched." <laughs> <laughs> circle back is never good, and we'll put you off for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, we should form a band called Circle Back. Circle back. And open with Nickelback. Yes. <laughs> open for Nickelback because they're still around. Well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quote. Yes! She's feeling her oats and Greg's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quote. Uh... At the very beginning of the movie, uh, Dorothy Gale, by the way, do I need to describe the plot for you guys? Uh, Dorothy Gale lives on no. a farm in Kansas. She lives with her very elderly Uncle Henry and Aunt M. Yeah, what happened there? What's going on can there? I, can I tell you something about the name Aunt, Aunt M? I thought forever, maybe you guys did too as a kid, that it was Aunt E.M., that her name was E.M. Okay. And it wasn't until I'm in my 40s, uh, until I watched it a couple months ago that I realized it was Auntie M. Auntie M. Very yeah. misleading. Oh, well, Professor Marlow even says her name is uh, Emily. That's when I realized yeah. that I'd been wrong <laughs> yeah. for 40 years. <laughs> so you, you thought she was like an Elizabeth Marie? Something. I was like, oh, that's cool. Or she's an initial. Lady. Hey, what's going on, EM? I think I had something similar when I watched this maybe 10 years ago. And I was like, oh... All of the people she meets in Oz are <laughs> real people in her life. <laughs> like, I did not realize when I was a kid that all of the men on the farm working are yeah. actually... You mean guys. Zeke, Hickory, and Hunk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't realize they had names. They have names. Zeke, uh, Zeke is Bert Lahr, a.k.a. Cowardly Lion. Uh, Hickory is Ray Boulder, the Scarecrow, and Hunk is uh jack haley the tin man yeah like wow. when i saw that as an adult i was like oh oh this is so much more interesting than i realized <laughs> and then frank morgan who is professor marvel and the wizard of oz plays three other characters yes. in, in emerald city which is something i didn't realize for years yeah, i don't think same. and then you can really appreciate his talent and how funny he is when you know that it's him doing all these completely he's amazing parts. yeah he really is uh and and the the double role thing uh, makes it all the more maddening at the end when all these men are so condescending to her. <laughs> and she's like, I had a dream. It, it was real. No, it wasn't a dream. It was real. And they're all like, uh, yeah, yeah. You're nuts. Right. Right, <laughs> Dorothy. And by the way, before, do you guys know what Oz stands for? If I could just interject here with some more trivia. I don't know. What? Okay. Al Frank Baum was working at an office and the last drawer in the file cabinet, if you're alpha going in alphabetical order, is O through Z. So that's where Oz comes oh. from. That's really cool. I'm just here to interrupt with <laughs> useless <laughs> There's also a really bad sci-fi movie from the 70s with Sean Connery called Zardoz. Oh. Uh, and like Zardoz it, throughout the movie is like some sort of god that they worship. And at the end, it's revealed that it's just like it's a book. I think it's like a book in the library and it's the Wizard of Oz. But some of the parts have, have like faded away. So it just oh. says Zardoz. Awesome. That. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. It feels more like um, maybe a 30-minute show than a movie though. <laughs> Sean Connery got into some weird stuff. I mean, he was Sean Connery. So at the beginning of the movie, Dorothy Gale is up in arms because uh, this mean Miss Gulch is going to take away her dog, Toto, uh, who, who bit her. And so she's going up and uh, her aunt and uncle are trying to work on the farm. You know, they're, they're trying to make ends meet. Um, and she's bugging them about this uh, dog. And Carla said, Dorothy, we're busy. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, and then the Aunt M says, we're busy, Dorothy. And Carla said, she just said what I said without the Jesus. Oh, you could, probably couldn't say Jesus. Probably couldn't. And she's a good Christian woman, as she, she says yeah. later. So I, she says. I like that moment when she wants to tell off Miss Gulch. She's like, I can't do it because I'm a good Christian woman. <laughs> it's so sad. It is. I got to say, like, Judy Garland is 
like her performance in this is so sincere mm-hmm. and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's probably playing like 12. She was more like 16 at the time. Right. Full and- of uppers and downers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But true. Uh, and her breasts were taped down. Yes. Right. To, to make her, uh, less womanly. Um, but I mean, this movie doesn't work unless, she, uh, we really believe in the sincerity of the, the character. It's, mm-hmm. it's so, uh, it's so sweet and wonderful. She is I think. really sweet. I didn't yeah. think about that. There are a lot of inconsistent hair inconsistencies. Have <laughs> yeah. you, did you guys notice? Like Carla her, did. Her yeah. hair will be up here in one scene, like by her shoulders, and then long curls past her boobs yeah. in, the, in the next frame. They did not do a good job with that. That's <laughs> one thing. Think Judy could have done better. <laughs> you blame her for the continuity? Yeah. I didn't look at the goof section on IMDb, but I'm either. sure there was a long list of continuity errors. Tons. On it. Well, she has braids at one point too, doesn't she? Or did I? Make that up she does have braids at one point you're right is it early yeah i think it is early on before she goes yeah they did up her hair for oz but right right away of like she's she's really in crisis about her dog maybe being taken away and it's like it's such uh especially as a dog owner of like (laughs) i i can relate to her and is the implication that miss gulch was gonna kill her dog yeah yeah that sucks (laughs) yeah like don't do that yeah the sheriff said it was okay too. <laughs> here's the here's the order from the sheriff that says that I can take your dog. What? Brutal. How does that? You work? think she'd have a better plan than putting him in a picnic basket? Yeah. You know. Well, she does lock the picnic basket at the house, but then it's unlocked on the bike. Oh. Mm-hmm. So like Toto chewed his way something like out that. of it. Yeah. Uh, again, I was focused on the dog all the time. So during Over the Rainbow, <laughs> Toto has this huge jump like right onto the fence in the middle of the song. And then uh, at the very end of the song, they shake hands. But Terry clearly was so anxious to perform her next stunt that you see her reaching out the paw for a shake right then in there. Yeah. <laughs> she jumps up. It's so cute. It's so cute. And Carla said, he's like, shake my paw. I want a treat. He's still alive, right? <laughs> I'm just concerned about Terry's dog trainer in the 1930s because I've been on sets in the 20, 2000s with dog trainers and it's, I don't want to know how mean that dog trainer was. Yeah. 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 It can get dark. I did a commercial for Petco with 15 different animals. Oh my God. Uh, who had 15 different trainers. Yeah. And uh, I was at a conference table and the, uh, the dogs and cats could not work at the same time. So it was all special effects where we would shoot with the dogs. Then we shot with the cats and then we had a bird that landed on my head. Oh my God. Uh, but the weirdest, uh, thing that they say when you're working with animals is right after the, uh, right after you, uh, they call cut, they'll say, I'm like, okay, pay, pay your animals, pay your animals. Oh, that's right. With uh, treats. you pay them with treats. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Cause that's all they want is that treat, yeah. but they will do whatever. Uh, I worked on dog with a blog <laughs> oh. <laughs> years ago and they, the, oh, I'm going to tell a story anyways. It's fine. Nobody listens to this. Podcast. <laughs> Burn that bridge. <laughs> uh, the dog trainer for the dog they had picked out, did not get along with the director on set, so they fired the the dog. It happens all the time. <laughs> and they had to bring a new I, dog in, yeah. and the dog was not as good as the old dog. Yeah. And so they ended up bringing back the original, and they were just like, you guys just have to get along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been on sets where the dog's been fired, and it sucks. <laughs> it's so brutal, because the dog didn't do anything. And Craig, you just reminded me, I did a conver- <laughs> The only time I've ever worked as an actor with animals is years ago. I did an Earthlink commercial with fauna, uh, with flies. To, and what? flies were supposed to re- represent pop-up ads on your computer. What? And um, there was a fauna wrangler. <laughs> like it, it was crazy. And the wrangler was essentially holding a vacuum and just like vacuum. It was so brutal. What do you mean? But they, the- they had to like release flies <laughs> at a certain time to like, I don't know. It was crazy. So when you have insects, yeah, they vacuum them up and yeah. then let them out again. They don't yeah. kill them. They but- don't kill them, but they vacuum them. It's- In the same way that beekeepers will vacuum up their bees. I had no idea. Yeah. No, you don't That's think so about setting. the fauna wranglers, but they're out there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because there's regulations that, you know, no animals, even if they're insects, can be killed on set. Right. You know, I, I don't see if, like, if you have hundreds of flies, how you could avoid that, you know? Yeah. But... <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Crazy. 
Uh, during Over the Rainbow, Carla knew all the lyrics oh. and sang right along. Wow. And that song was almost cut, by the way. Which is nuts. Nuts. <laughs> but then also weird of like, let's open with the showstopper. Right. Yeah. And it's also like Liz was saying that she, as a kid, she it, somewhere over the rainbow made her furious because she thought it was so boring. Like, let's just get to Oz. Let's get to Oz. Yeah. Mm. So, but it, I love that it was almost cut. The most iconic song of all time. I actually, when we were watching this and it said uh, musical something something by at the top, I was like, oh, right. This is a musical. <laughs> like, I don't even think about Same. it really as a musical. I agree. <laughs> and there's songs constantly they, throughout it. Yeah, but I guess I just don't really, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> but I agree. I think you're so wrapped up in the fantasy of it that the, the yeah. songs just kind of come organically from it. But yeah, it's musical. Yeah. Full on. Full on. <laughs> But Carla, after singing this song, said, am I like those drunk girls that were singing really loudly next to us at the concert last night? <laughs> <laughs> we went to see First Aid Kit at the oh, Greek and had a fantastic time. Great. Yeah. I'm not even cool enough to know what that band is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had an injury and you needed a First Aid Kit. At the Greek. At the Greek. First Aid Kit at the Greek. Somebody got burned by <laughs> Saganaki. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, did you reread the book as well in doing your research? I did. I, because I love that book. It's right here on my iPad. What do we want to know? <laughs> I love this. this well, I mean so the, good. I mean the L. Frank Baum book. I did. Oh, God, no. <laughs> God, no, Craig. What are you talking about? What I was wondering then is are the parallel characters in the original novel or if that was something that was invented mm. for the, the movie? I want to say they're in the original novel, but I can't say for sure. I don't know. <laughs> I, I yeah, how would they describe that? I don't know. You're saying like with the yeah, are Zeke Hickory and Hunk in the book, and oh. are they analogs to the right? I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna bet I'm gonna bet here we go that 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 was for the movie because oh. how would you describe it in the novel, right? Right. Uh, Especially Hickory. Nobody wants to bet me. Here's <laughs> no. I'll bet you, Carla. Uh, here's Carla watching Toto's uh, stunts. Good job, Toto. He can jump really high. And Benny was on her lap. Benny, you can't jump that high. You'll hurt your back. <laughs> <laughs> Benny is actually on vet ordered bed rest because he did hurt his back Aww, a few weeks ago yeah. and was on pain meds for a while. Poor Benny. Did not slow him down. <laughs> but, but Terry must have had some back issues like because there's some big jumps. <laughs> How does Terry jump that high? Because there was a... F- Nazi trainer being like, oh, God damn it, you stupid dog. Slapping it across the face, being really mean to it. Because he also jumps through the window. Yeah. Right? Look at how mean they were to the cast, like, with all that makeup and Bert Lahr almost died, like... Yeah. Bert Lars' costume was 90 pounds. 90 pounds. And it was a real lion skin. What? <laughs> imagine in those last scenes of what? the castle. Can you imagine being on set the day that like, you've been carrying a 90-pound costume on your back, and then it's the day where they have to invade the witch's castle, and they have to put on those suits to on make... On top of it? The, yeah, I don't know what they're called. Those giant suits to sneak in. Yeah. Can you imagine that day? Wait, Bert Lars the lion? Yeah. yeah. And it was a real lion skin? Yeah. yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and the scarecrow they had to bake, what they did was they baked That's right. a paper bag. So they baked it in an oven <laughs> and they put and then they put it painted it to his face. And both the lion and the tin man had like lasting scars on their noses and chins from the makeup for oh the rest of their lives. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. Was it? Worth it for us. Worth it for us. Here we are <laughs> almost a hundred years later. Now, laughing hysterically at, at their pain. <laughs> now, all of those guys, Frank Morgan, uh, the wizard, and then the three, uh, you know, characters that she meets were all like vaudeville and Broadway stars. So yeah. it's basically like populating this movie with sketch comedy or improv <laughs> actors, you know, right. like here's like the funniest guys we could get. Yeah. Uh, and watching the documentary, the making of, they have a quote from John Lahr, who was Bert Lahr's son. And John Lahr is one of the most famous uh, theater critics. Uh, oh, he was a theater yeah. critic for the New Yorker and the New York Times for, uh, for years. Uh, but basically, you know, Bert Lahr didn't make a lot of movies, mm-hmm. uh, but basically said of like, my dad, 
uh, you know, was a Broadway star and was known for just like being over the top of like, there was the only way he could get in a movie is by playing an animal. Basically. Oh. <laughs> because you, when you blow up his performance to eight times its size, like he was just too oversized, wow. uh, a performer to really make it in, uh, in movies. But he kind of, I mean, they're all funny in various ways, but he definitely kind of steals the movie as the he cowardly does. lion. Yeah. Like, and my mom pointed out, my mom was a dancer and she was like, Ray Bolger was the most phenomenal dancer. <laughs> and so when I watched it with Dark Side of the Moon, I really paid attention to Bolger's performance, which is kind of amazing given that he's in that costume and he's kind of slipping and sliding everywhere. It's, it's amazing. He's the scarecrow. He's the yeah. scarecrow. Yeah. You really believe he's made of straw. Yeah. He's yeah, amazing. He's really convincing. They're all really good dancers. Yeah. Though, did you watch the Ray Bulger dance sequence that was cut? No. It's really cool. Where do I find that? Uh, we can show it to you on the DVD if you oh. want, or I'm sure it's, it's on YouTube. But uh, this is like an extra three minutes of If I Only Had a Brain. Oh. That's him doing this whole dance mm-hmm. uh, that has all these stunts in it. And he's on wires for a bit of it and like jumps over the fence. It's it's, it's really, really cool. There's yeah. an old Jewish lady in West Los Angeles who would love to see it. <laughs> Her name is Margie Sabolsky. <laughs> she loves him. <laughs> My favorite Frank Morgan line, by the way, is when she goes to Professor Marvel's uh, and, uh, and he's just doing, you know, classic, uh, huckster of like, uh, he, from one picture of like, I've know three things about you. I'm going to use those three things when I look at the crystal ball. Uh, but his sign says of like, you know, uh, he's met with all the crown princes of Europe and, uh, Dorothy's like, uh, what about the crown princes of Europe? And, uh, and Frank Morgan goes, uh, do you know any? Oh, you mean the, thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a funny line uh and it just feels so modern oh you mean the thing in, uh, in the book wake sorry in the book they say that he was drunk the whole time all due respect and they then margaret hamilton the was <laughs> the wicked witch said he was so professional but they knew to just keep refilling his cup or whatever but he <laughs> the more drunk he was the better his performance which That's is astounding. great wow yeah <laughs> Here's Carla on Professor Marvel's uh, uh, wagon. Dorothy, you're very lucky. This is such a nice man. This could have gone real south for you. (laughs) To get in a stranger's wagon and look in his crystal ball. (laughs) True. There is a moment, right? Where you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, stranger danger. (laughs) Then she runs back to the farmhouse. Everybody else has boarded themselves up in anticipation of the twister. She's just running around, gets hit in the head with with a window. Um, Carla said, didn't Auntie M go over the tornado plan with you? <laughs> she gets knocked out on the bed and Toto just kind of crawls next to her. And Carla said, poor Toto. What is, Sopoto, what is Toto supposed to do while you're taking a nap? <laughs> when that iconic uh, color transformation happened, Carla did say, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. <laughs> there's a like lot it. of similarities design-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, what is the Lollipop Guild's full-time duties? <laughs> they also is it just do... a ceremonial position? or? And, and to that point, they don't <laughs> seem happy about it. Their right. expressions seem pained. <laughs> now, w- w- what's with the delivery of this song? Like, what are we supposed to... What is the takeaway from the Lollipop Guild? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, do you think that the director was like, oh, it's funnier when you guys look mad? They look so mad. And I think, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, the hot munchkin is in the Lollipop. Of course he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got to be the guy who does the, yeah, uh, does this, that the, the victory. That all the ladies around. <laughs> it's true. One hot munchkin. <laughs> Lullaby League and the Lollipop Guild. Um, I'll tell you, when you do watch the sing-along Wizard of Oz, which means that there is a lot of Judy Garland fans there. Sure. Uh, and all that entails sure. and people who are theater people, yeah. uh, the scarecrows lines, uh, some people do go both ways. And, uh, how would you like to do it with a pole up your back? Oh. Get a lot of Snickers. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. This movie is a huge movie for the gay community. It yeah. really is. Uh, I have to admit that I'm not that familiar with the whiz other than ease on down the road. Yeah. I, like I've never seen it. Uh, live or seen the movie. I directed in 2002 an elementary school uh, musical version of The Wiz. Well, Wellby Way in Woodland Hills. Guys, 
Life was good in 2002. Wow. <laughs> but it's good. I, so I rewatched it. It's really, I think it's really good. I think Michael Jackson's actually amazing in it. And He's so the scarecrow? Yeah. And he, the two of them together, it's a two-hander, essentially. It's it's not like a cinematic treasure, but those two people are such huge stars. Now, isn't Who plays Dorothy? Uh, Diana Ross. Who's like 40 at the time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. But it was <laughs> Stephanie Mills on Broadway. I don't remember the Broadway I, version. I believe it was Stephanie Mills because then she became a, uh, a pop star. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a hit, uh, Never Knew Love Like This Before. And I never knew love, love like this before. Open my eyes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> worth it. Whole podcasting was worth it for that moment. Bert Lahr is basically doing a Brooklyn accent too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, do you remember the Dana Carvey sketch from the Dana Carvey show about the Wizard of Oz? No, but tell me about it. Uh, if you remember the Dana Carvey show, which sure. la- the, the famous show, which lasted like 10 episodes that had Stephen uh, Colbert, Steve Carell in the cast, and Charlie Kaufman and Louis C.K. and all these guys wrote for the show. There's a documentary on Hulu about it. There is. Yeah. I believe it has a, a, a clip of the, the Wizard of Oz sketch, but Dana Carvey plays a guy with no ass. Who <laughs> 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 wants an ass from the wizard. But they did the makeup for all the other characters. My friend Bill Cott, who is on the oh, show, yeah. plays who is very much a Burt Lar type, yes. plays the cowardly lion and is really funny. And I believe Colbert and Carell are uh, the Scarecrow and the Tin Man. So if you can undercover My that. My favorite thing, by the way, just side note about that documentary was that Colbert got a fan letter uh, for the for his work on the Dana Carvey. No, excuse me. It was Carell got a fan letter. Uh, he was so excited. His first fan letter, and he opened it up, and it was from his mother, <laughs> which is so sweet. Aww. Moms, you can always count on them. It's true. There's a couple times where I, I I have to think that Margaret Hamilton is riffing <laughs> because, like, the line can't possibly be what was written in the script. So, like, the whole like. Uh, Poppies will do the trick. Poppies. Sleep. Sleep. Poppy. (laughs) And then also her final speech when she gets the water poured on her. Like, I don't know if I was melting to death that my first thought would be, what a world. What a world. (laughs) It is so ridiculous and it is, I mean, it's, it's just repeated. And it does, it does feel like the stunt is going on so long that she has to vamp a little bit to cover. It was a hydraulic lift. And I didn't, when I, so I reread The Wizard of Oz, then I went back and watched with it, with the, with Pink Floyd. And you can really see the, 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 the air blowing up from the lift into her costume. Yeah. And it sort of ruins it knowing it's a hydraulic lift. Guys, I ruined it for you. And there's a couple other things like when the witch makes her first appearance in Munchkin Land, you can see some of the Munchkins reacting ahead of time uh-huh. before like the witch has actually materialized. They're actually all out of sync at various points, the Munchkins <laughs> in the dancing sequences. It's great. Now, when I referenced the song Optimistic Voices, or do you know what that is? No. Is that the lion song? No. Optimistic Voices is the song when they wake up in the poppy field and are running up to Emerald City of like, you're out of the woods, you're out of the... Yeah. And it's so literal of like, walk up, walk up to the gate and bid it open. <laughs> open. That song is called Optimistic Voices. But is that where the phrase so you're out of, the, we're out of the woods comes from? Like when you're sick and something you're like I think I'm out of the woods I don't think Wizard of Oz coined that really okay all right <laughs> someone look it up those t- those talking trees that throw their apples though are really scary so it's good to be out of the woods <laughs> I think <laughs> the flying monkeys are creepy too very yeah and very Carla wasn't sure why the snow stopped the poppies from working <laughs> do you know um Carla said why does it help Seems to be a plot hole there. I don't know, but I do have this note about the snow, Carla, so I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs) Oh, yes. The snow in the poppy fields. Do you know what it was made of? I don't. Pure asbestos. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like pure asbestos. Oh my 
Can you imagine? Every bit of trivia about this movie <gasps> is about the most harmful substance that you can make anything <laughs> out of. Oh my god! Uh, what about horses of a different color? Jello. <laughs> the horses are covered jello in powder. jello powder, and so the horses would keep, keep licking off the jello that was oh. dying them. Again, I don't know that the animal uh, the guidelines for nineteen the nineteen thirties were on the up and up. No. Right. Oh. I do like the saying that one of the Frank Morgan characters says, bust my buttons. So I think I'm trying not to curse as often. So when I would normally say, fuck it, I'm going to say, bust my buttons. Great. That's great. You should. Please don't. As much as I like Bert Lahr, I would say that if I was king of the forest, drags a bit. It does. Yeah. Yeah, It feels like you don't need that song. It's the longest song and the least memorable. When you're you're stoned watching it with Pink Floyd, you're like, what is, why is he, and then he has to put on that giant, again, they have to put on a giant cape over the costume at the end of that song. Poor guy. Poor guy. That that song feels just like way way too many songs. <laughs> it's yeah, it's when uh, when the lion runs out of the the wizard's hall and crashes through the window. Carla said, "You go." I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love I that, they're, that. <laughs> they're sent to uh what, to get the witch's broom, and I love the touch of they have a giant butterfly net and a mallet. <laughs> Yeah, and a gun. And a gun. And a gun, guys. It's so, it's so goofy. Where does the gun come from? No one knows. Has it been on him the whole time? <laughs> does he have a gun? He, I love that he has a gun Hidden instead in his stuffing? of a heart. Like, yeah. it's, what a trade-off. Oh, it's the Tin Man has it. Excuse me. No, no, no. The Scarecrow has oh, yeah. it. He looks, has a gun instead of a brain, which makes tin, sense. It looks tin, but the gun looks tin. Like, the it gun looks, is silver. It looks like it belongs to the Tin Man. Uh and you didn't quite remember those creepy birds that are clearly no, like forgot. not even animatronic because they're yeah <laughs> they're just uh they're kind of stationary yeah yeah uh, but Carla didn't remember that part and then said is this a scary monkey part <laughs> and yes it is I also love when the witch uh, when Auntie M appears in the ball and then it turns into the witch and then Margaret Hampton looks right into camera <laughs> it's yeah, so great she? oh my god. <laughs> It's so creepy. Um, now, do you know purportedly what the lyrics to the Winky chant are? No. Now, the Winky chant, of course, is, Oh, we, oh, yo, oh, we, yeah, oh. we got it. But <laughs> over the years, people have claimed that they are singing anything from, uh, All we own, we owe her. <laughs> also, oh. oh, we love the old one. Oh, so both um, kind of derogatory towards the rich a little bit. <laughs> I think uh, complimentary. The first one's complimentary. All we own, we owe her. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, we love the old one. <laughs> or they're Dark. just saying, oh, we yeah. owe. Oh. And apparently that is true. That there, are no <laughs> ly- there are no lyrics to that. But uh, so people say it's like an auditory litmus test that people hear what they want to hear. Oh, like Yanny. <laughs> what was that Yanny and Laurel? That was so weird. The Yanny and Laurel thing. Yeah, I what heard was that. It was one of those like blue dress, uh, brown dress, dress things. Yanny. Yeah, this recording was Yanny, and then people heard Laurel. What? And what was the actual word? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, but not. I heard Laurel. I fully heard Yanny. <laughs> no, no diggity, no doubt. I heard Yanny. Okay. Um, and I love when the witch melts and then the witch's guard are, uh, uh, it sounded immediately like Buffalo Bill, like the witch is dead. You killed her. <laughs> and then, That's and then, oh, and we need the witch's broom stick. Sure. And take it with you. Please. And take it with you. And Carla said, well, that was pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. The witch's guard put up no, no result whatsoever. Uh, and then finally, when, uh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, they do pay attention. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, he gives them all kind of lame gifts, tricking them into believing that they've actually gotten the thing that they want mm-hmm. uh, all along. Diploma. But what's the thing that he says to the Tin Men? Like, it doesn't matter how much you love, it's how much you are loved by others. And Carla said, really? 
Isn't that the opposite of what the Beatles say? <laughs> <laughs> what Beatles song are you thinking of? And in the end, the, the love, love you make, the love you take is equal to the love you make. So they're saying the love that you give others is more important. Or is what Beatles. you take hmm. with you, right? Yeah. Am I thinking of that right? Uh, also, all you need is love. Yeah. Right. True. Also, I have a note if they're going to redo this on the on the prop that uh, the wizard gives the Tin Man. Yeah, that lo- it looks like a shitty alarm <laughs> clock shaped as a heart with popcorn attached yes, to it. What it is attached bad. to it? And then they had to figure out a way to stick it to his suit. It looks terrible. So mm-hmm. whoever did props, we're going to exhume your body and yeah. make you feel bad. Also, like, uh, why is that in his bag? Like he has a bag of stuff. Yeah, he had very specific stuff. Uh, I like that though. I like the ending with where he's like, because it's sending a message to the audience of like, you've already got all these things inside of you. Right. You don't need somebody to tell you. All these people need people to tell you. Are these different parts of Dorothy's self? Are these Mm. the things that she needed to Mm. reconcile to become a whole person in Kansas? Just think about it. Yeah. Maybe. Carla, would you like to give The Wizard of Oz a letter grade? A, of course. <laughs> Robin? I'm going to give it a B plus. <laughs> what? So you, lo- <laughs> you love the story behind it, but as a movie. I prefaced the entire broadcast by saying that. <laughs> but, but I want to point out that it does have a very big correlation to my number one movie. Which will completely eradicate anything I said on this podcast that makes me seem smart. Okay. I know what it is. What is... I know your favorite movie. Yeah. What is the connection between The Wizard of Oz and my favorite movie, Grease 2? <laughs> what is the connection? Um, um, I have no idea. You'll know it when I tell you. They're musicals. No. Judy Garland had two daughters. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli and Lorna Loft, who played... Paulette in Greece yes. too. She's the one who wants Johnny the T-Bird to stop paying so much attention to Stephanie Zanoni and focus on her. Uh, so if anybody has any Greece 2 questions, send them my way. <laughs> well, Robin will of course have you back when we cover Greece 2. <laughs> By the way, I've been hawking Craig and Shining to get him to do Greece 2 and I, every time I get a look. I do remember well over a year ago when we saw you and Craig asked you to do this podcast. You're like, great. Can we do Grease 2? <laughs> like, no, they're going to be movies on like my you list. assumed that Grease 2 Of course. Would be of course it would Grease be on there. I went to the 35th anniversary screening and the entire cast was there except Michelle wow. Pfeiffer. And I had, I thought I was going to die. Maxwell Caulfield? Yes. He was there. I, do- wow. I lost it. But anyway, I love Wizard of Oz for the education it gives you about so many different things. <laughs> I do want to say too, just to follow up on my letter grade, an A has a lot to do with just that I saw it and loved it as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Not exactly how much it holds up or how interesting it is to rewatch. Cause it's not super interesting to rewatch when you've seen it 30 <laughs> times already. You know, I'd be curious yeah. if somebody had not grown up with it and watched it now, like what, what, they would what their reaction would be. Yeah. But on my list, I think I've got to put it ahead of this is spinal tap exactly Whoa. where it was. Uh, but still behind E.T. and Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, which I think are, are the movies that have been most underrated thus far. I've, I on the loved list. your Sunset Boulevard podcast. It yeah. was very important. With Paget? Yeah, yeah. It was great. That was a fun one. I'm going to go back and watch it. Uh, Robin, you want to improvise a quick scene with us? I'll try. <laughs> okay. So the, the, the plot hole at the end of the movie that we already kind of talked about is like they, uh, uh, we were, Carla was kind of half paying attention. You know, I was also kind of half paying attention because you know the final scene. And then Carla's like, wait, wait, what happened with Miss Gulch and the dog? And I was like, oh, well, let's run it back. I did, I missed that. I missed that. Yeah. And we ran back the whole scene of like, they don't say anything about Miss Gulch or Toto at yeah. the end. I like, mean, Toto's there, but she, <clears throat> Dorothy's not worried about Toto being taken away anymore. You're right. Which is like the whole catalyst of the whole movie, right? Yeah. So this is the next day. <laughs> Like, they don't even talk about it. Okay. They, they show up at Miss Gulch's house. So, Robin, if you could play uh, El- Elvira Gulch. All right. Uh, and then, Carla, you're going to play Dorothy Gale. Okay. And then I'm uh, I'm Zeke, uh, <laughs> played by Bert Lahr, who's there as, as muscle. Miss <clears throat> um, Gulch. Yes. 
Um, I, uh, please forgive me for, um, bothering you, uh, but I just wanted to check in and make sure you weren't going to kill my dog anymore. I found so many more dogs to kill, but I still want yours. <laughs> oh, but, Miss Gulch, please, I- Hey, hey, back off, back <laughs> off. Uh, I'll tear you limb from limb. Who are you? <laughs> this is, um, my friend. <laughs> I'm Zeke. You don't know my name? It's not weird that I have a middle-aged man friend. <laughs> yeah, what's the relationship here? Yeah, I'm one of the guys who works on the farm along with Hickory and Hunk. He See? pulls out all the eggs from the, the hen house. I Little girl, are you in trouble? <laughs> Is this man bothering you? No, Miss Gulch, why are you always starting trouble? <laughs> I think I'm going to give you two more dogs to protect yourself. You need protection, young lady. More dogs? Ooh. You get more dogs. Here, come inside my house where you can see my closet of dogs. Yeah, even I know not to go into some creepy old lady's closet of dogs. I don't know. It sounds so lovely. Dogs in a closet? I got a whole closet of dogs, and then I got a kitchen full of dogs, and a swimming pool full of dogs. So many dogs. Oh, this might be my new home. There's no place like this. Home. Oh, come on, Dorothy. There's no place like this home. There's no place like this closet of dogs. Closet of dogs. Woof, woof, woof. Please, please, please let us go. Oh, my God. Oh, she's torturing I'm us. I'm Terry. I'm Terry. I've got back problems. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. Oh. You were great. That voice. Woof. That was good. I'll get you, my pretty. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much for oh, joining us today. Oh, this is a dream come true. Thanks for letting me share my useless knowledge with you. So great, and I love that you brought a no- notebook. Full of <laughs> well, I don't want to forget. There's so many. There's so many things. You also sent us an essay that Salman Rushdie <laughs> wrote about the Wizard of Oz. So we will include that with the promotional materials for this episode. It's called Out of Kansas. And do you remember the BFI books that were like? Um, every author wrote about their favorite movie. Yeah. Wizard of Oz is the movie that made, and he says it himself, that made Salman Rushdie a writer because they were showing it in Bombay when he was a child. And um, he's my favorite writer. So uh, it, it's an extraordinary study of the Wizard of Oz. Cool. Cool. I will I will indeed read that. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? Anything oh, you want to promote? Do, I mostly just do Instagram. I'm just at Robin Shore on Instagram. It's cool. no big. <laughs> really? S H O O R R R R. Yeah. Uh, also, your podcast, which we can at least listen to old episodes of. <laughs> you can listen to old episodes on the All Things Comedy Podcast uh, Network. Cool. It's very informative, civic <laughs> podcast. Great. Well, Carla. If you recall, I referenced it at the beginning of this episode. What's his voice doing? <laughs> I love it. I love serious crime. When this voice. podcast began with episode 100, we covered a little movie by Federico Fellini called La Dolce Vita. Ugh. And I know that our, our listeners and you have been wondering when, when would Mr. Fellini make another appearance oh, no. on the list? Oh, no, Carla. You're, oh. <clears throat> and before he directed this film, the number 22 film on my list, he had previously made seven and a half movies because he had done six feature films and three shorts. Okay. So he had made, so this movie was his eight, eight and a half movie. So <laughs> it's, it's a short? It's called, no, it's, it's called, called eight, eight and, and a half. half. <laughs> uh, what was also adopted into a Broadway musical called Nine. Which Great musical. <laughs> There's some good musical numbers in nine. I do like some of the songs. That was a terrible movie. They couldn't call the music 8.5. But this movie came out in 1963 and stars the star of La Dolce Vita, Marcello Mastroianni. Uh, He plays a film director named Guido. I think I'll pass. You only have one pass left. Oh, I'll think about it. Okay. Well, really hot. Marcello Mastroianni. If I could sound a little. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was a good looking guy. Well, to help me, I'm bringing my friend Alex, who, uh, this is his favorite movie. So I've got some ammunition on my side, but also his wife, Rachel, is going to be joining us. And I don't know how she feels about this movie. Could be an ally for you. Could be an ally for me. We'll just have to see if I watch it. Well, Craig's listeners, (laughs) join us in a couple weeks for Eight and a Half. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.